every service there's like three people like doing this, like they're dancing to that song. So just the good, good vibes with that song. Well, this is uh, the last week of our, of our Red Letter Questions. And uh, we, we've been studying just the, just the amazing questions that Jesus has presented us. For some, have, uh, you may be thinking red letters, red letters. I get the questions of Jesus. I don't understand the red letters. A couple people have a- actually asked me about that. Very simply, if you're, if you're unaware of, of the red letter questions, it's very simply, uh, in early 1900s, there is an editor that decided to say, hey, there, there are the words of Jesus in the Bible. Uh, he shed his blood for us. Wouldn't it be a great idea if we put the words of Jesus in red? So for some of you, you have a red letter edition Bible. And when you open it up and you see the actual words of Jesus, they're written in red. And so uh, there it is for some that maybe you've been wondering, why is it red letter? There, there, there's the answer. I'll say this. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. And so please stop, stop by our welcome center. Grab a Bible. You need a Bible. Uh, for some, you're looking to go deeper. I encourage you, grab a study Bible. Get, get a good commentary study Bible. Go, go deeper with God's word. Uh, get get some, some historical perspective some commentary that helps the word uh, come alive to you. So last week, Pastor uh, Rob shared a question. Who do you say I am? Jesus was talking to his disciples. He asked the question, who do you say I am? Uh, Peter said, you are Messiah. You, you are the son of God. Jesus said, you are right. And so we, we, we discovered last week that Jesus, again, foundationally speaking, he is the son of God. He is the savior. We believe who he says he was. And if you missed last week, please hop online. You can listen to that. But over the past four weeks, we've seen over 60 salvations from this campus alone. Can we celebrate that fact? Amen. Salvation is the greatest gift. It is, it is the greatest miracle we can experience. And, and that is what, why we're here today, to help people get, get connected to Jesus in a life-changing way. So this week, I'm going to share a question uh, that was posed to two blind men. It was, it was very simply, do you believe? There's these two blind men approached Jesus for healing. And Jesus said, do you believe? And so as I share this, I'm going to let you know, I might slip and say three blind men because all week long, three blind mice has been going through my mind as I've studied. And I'm like, Lord, get that out of my mind. Because all I see is three blind mice. And that's a horrible kid's song. If you remember the song, the farmer's wife cuts off the mice's tail. And it's scary, really. It's, it's a horror song. <laughs> horrible. So if it slips out, three blind men. You know what I'm thinking in the moment. So, uh, so we're, we're going to unpack the story in just a little bit, but I want to give you some, some perspective, frame it real quick. Matthew chapter 4 through 9, Jesus is talking about healing. He is giving uh, descriptions of healing, speaking about faith and, and the actual faith that is required to receive a, a miracle. So stories of healing, he's unpacking healing, speaking about faith, it's powerful. Uh, chapters 8 through 9, Jesus tells of eight miracle stories in a row. So, so throughout scripture, there are eight stories in a row right before we get to the healing of, of, these, of these two blind men. I thought about saying three, but I didn't. Okay, there it is. And, and, and so he sets it up. Jesus is setting the story, setting up the scene for this story to, to, to be unpacked. So Matthew chapter nine, verse 27, it says this. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him and said, and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that in these moments that our eyes would be opened. God, that as we go to your word, God, as we unpack scripture, Lord, as we allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us, Lord, I pray 
that our spiritual eyes would be opened and that God, your word would be illuminated and that God, the, the illumination of your word would bring fresh revelation and understanding of how we are to live. So Father God, um, I pray that we would lean in spiritually, that God, we would be asking questions in our spirit. God, even as we, as we unpack the word, that God, we'd be uh, deciphering what is truth, God, for us for today. So Lord, I thank you that, that you've positioned us, God, to receive this morning. Lord God, God I pray that you use, use me, God. Um, speak to me, God, as, as I share. And may, may there just be truth that comes in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple quick, quick, obvious observations, conclusions that I want to pull out of this story that we're just going to highlight and then we'll unpack some other thoughts in just a little bit. But the first thing that we're going to highlight is that these two blind men, they say son of David. They address Jesus as the son of David. What they are essentially saying is that we understand you are the one that was prophesied about. There's no illusion to us, Jesus. We can plainly see, not with our eyes, but with our, with our hearts, uh, because of the truth that's been presented, that you are the, the soon coming Messiah. We understand that. So they're, they're positioning Jesus in a place of authority, giving him a title, giving him a name. And so, so they're tipping off, we get it, you are Savior. You are the one that was prophesied about from the line of David. Um, so the takeaway for us, a quick takeaway, again, we're just going to pull a couple of quick things up. We have to believe who Jesus says that, that he was. We have to believe it. That's why last week, laying down that foundation of who do, you, who do you say I am, we have to believe that Jesus came to be our Lord and Savior, that he was the prophesied Messiah. We have to believe that. That, 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 is, where, that is where faith starts and pivots from. It's from believing who Jesus was and is. Uh, the, uh, the very next thing that, that, that goes on to be, to be said, son of David, they say, have mercy on us. And when, they, when, you, when, when that was addressed in that moment, they're sim- essentially saying, we are humbled by your goodness. We are uh, very aware of our need. As you can see, Jesus, would you heal us? Uh, to say, have mercy on us was just a very humbling saying, I'm dependent upon you. Man, Jesus, like, I, we need you to do something to help us. Would you heal us? And so they are asking for their healing in that moment in a very reverent, uh, humble way. Um, so the takeaway for us is that we need to identify our need and humbly present it to Jesus. Now, that's a simple statement, but I think that's very hard in practice. It's easy to identify, I got this going on and this issue and this and that, and we got all these problems or issues or I have this challenge in my life but it is hard to humbly present it to Jesus. I think we wanna, we wanna fix it on our own. We wanna try to figure out the solution and the outcome on our own. And we may, we may uh, give Jesus a glimpse of, of what the, the problem is, but we wanna try to figure it out in our own strength. And Jesus wants us to humbly uh, uh, present it, give it all to him. He wants us to, to say, Jesus, here it is. Here's my need. I give it to you, identify it, and I humbly present it to you. Last thing I want to touch on is Jesus asked very simply, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe? Jesus is asking the question of these two blind men who've already addressed, you are the Messiah, you are our Savior. Uh, we, we identify that you have healing power. So they've already stated all of the things that Jesus then is almost in a strange way saying, okay, I get it, but do you believe? And they're like, yes, Lord, of course we do. We, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have walked into this home uh, that we don't live in if we didn't think that you could heal us. We believe. So Jesus is posing a question, kind of a unique question, but very simply he's saying, do you trust me? I, I, I get that you, you, you see that I am Messiah. I get that you see my healing power. But in this moment, do you trust me with your life? Do you trust me with your need? 
and, and, and he's, he's getting, he's cutting to the chase. It's not about the miracle that I can do. It's about the trust that you have in me. Do you trust me? And so the, these two blind men are like, yes, Lord, we do. Cause you're everything. Like we, we, we don't have a choice. Like either, either you're, you're our Messiah and you're our healer or we're lost and we're broken. Jesus, you're everything. And so, so we, we have to resolve that in our own hearts that Jesus, we believe, we have a belief that you can do the impossible. So this, this question, do you believe, applies to any area of our life, whether it be our marriage, whether it be a sickness, whether it be pain or hurt, whether it be your, your, your career or calling, your future. It could be kids. It could be broken relationships. Um, it could be infertility. I, I could make the list of things that, that this question applies to, but it's not about the solution. It's about the belief in the person. Do you believe that I can do this? But it starts with me. Jesus is saying, do you believe? That's, that's where it starts. And so I want to set the record straight about faith. Just a few quick thoughts that I think will help us kind of understand what, what, how faith operates. The first thing is this. True faith starts with salvation. So Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that's why we, we kind of go through that, that practice at the very end of service. If you believe in your heart and you speak it, you confess with your mouth, salvation is yours. Salvation is taking place. So faith, the essence of faith, the foundation of faith is found in Jesus, and that starts at salvation. So be encouraged. Salvation is, or, or, or faith is in you through salvation. If, if you've declared with, with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then faith is in you. The faith for your miracle is already there. I, I truly believe that, that, that because of that faith in salvation through Jesus, faith is in you. So great faith, big faith, miraculous faith is not about mustering up more. It's not about, oh, can I just muster up another 26% of faith to receive that miracle? It's, it's not about trying to conjure up more faith because that's, how do, you, how, do you, how do you work with that? He, uh, Jesus never went around quantifying people's faith. He's, Jesus never said, if you only had 2% more, just a pinch, just a touch, I'd do it. He didn't, there's no story like that in, in scripture. So it's not about conjuring up more. Faith is already in us. Matthew uh, chapter 17, verse 20 says, or talks about it, I should say. I'm going to paraphrase it. Talk, it talks about having the faith of a mustard seed that could move mountains. How big is a mustard seed? It's, a, it's the size of a pinhead. I'm not calling you a name. I'm just saying. It's the size of a pinhead. It's tiny. It's minuscule. It's, it, is, it is so tiny. So when you think about what Jesus was, was saying, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. That's, that's significant. He's saying the faith that is needed is small. It's not, it's not this unattainable, audacious faith. It's a small amount of faith that is already in you. So for some, we think that we got to have this like monstrous amount of faith to, to move mountains, uh, to, to see the breakthrough, yada, yada, yada. We think it's got to be this, this amazing conjure it up. Jesus is saying very simply, it's really small. It's really just a small, tiny amount. And, and that's all you need. And again, sometimes we kind of, uh, um, uh, blow up faith and we make it sound so unattainable, but really it is, it is small. Last thing I'm going to hit on, uh, not everyone that has great faith gets healed or sees a breakthrough, but everyone needs faith. Not everyone that, that, that has this amazing faith receives their miracle or their breakthrough, but we all, we all need faith. We all have to have faith in action and flowing in us. So back, back to our two blind men. If they had the ability 
through their faith to receive their healing, wouldn't you want some of their faith? Wouldn't you be uh, inspired and, and questioning what was it about their faith that allowed them to receive their miracle to see? Because there's areas in my life that I have a miracle that I need sight in. I, I need a breakthrough. I need Jesus to show up and to do what only he can do. Jesus, I, I need a miracle. So when I look at these stories of faith and of, of miraculous power, hopefully that stirs, stirs up within us like, how is this possible? What am I missing? Because I'll be honest with you, the, the tension in this story and in stories of miracles is that there are things that we are praying for. There are areas of need. There are breakthroughs that we need. And we feel like we're spinning our wheels. We're praying and we're asking and we're saying, Jesus, why isn't this happening? And I'm, I'm believing in faith. Uh, and we, we, can, we can have that dialogue with, with Jesus. But, but the, the, the tension is that like, there's something missing. I've, I've been in that spot before where you're believing for something and it's just, it's like you're, you're, you're running uphill and it's, it's hard work and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. And you're like, Lord, what am I missing? Like, where is the disconnect? I don't know what, 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 what more I need to do, but there is something missing. There, there's a tension there. And so I, I just want to, I want to unpack a few things, but I want to give you a, a very simple analogy. Uh, I have a friend here at the campus. His name's Larry. Larry has a lot of guns. Okay, so Larry asked me to go shooting with him. I've, I've shot a few BB guns before, a pistol before. Larry has a lot of guns, so Larry took me and he's going to teach me how to shoot, right? So a couple months ago, we're shooting guns at, at Gander Mountain, and it's fun, but for 45 minutes, uh, I'm sitting there shooting the gun, and my gun's doing this. And, and Larry's screaming at me, what are you doing? Like, you need, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, Larry, I got a gun in my hand. Be quiet. And we're just, we're going at it. Bolts are flying everywhere that way, and... And we're just, we're going at it. And I'm trying as hard as, as I can. I'm giving it my greatest effort to shoot this gun straight. And, and I, am, I am hitting the target, but I'm not hitting my little target within the, with, with, within the, the, the paper sheet of targets, right? So I'm going at it. And we're trying different things. And again, Larry's giving me the business. I'm like, Larry, talk to the gun. And it's just, it's, it's intense, tense moment, Okay. And so we start tweaking a few things and we realize, okay, my, my hands are a little off here and, and my, my, my sight's a little wrong. I got my head in the wrong position. My feet, I got to kind of reposition my feet and can't stand like this flat foot. I got to kind of be like in a ready position. And so all these little tweaks we're making, again, over, over duration of an hour, uh, we are working really, really hard at this. And finally, the, 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 the last 15 minutes, everything starts to come together. And all of a sudden, like, I'm doing this and this. And I'm like, Larry, look it. I'm hitting the target. And, and I, I am spot on. And I'm just like, it's, everything came together. And I was clicking. And Larry's giving me high fives. And it was an amazing moment, right? So he, here's the takeaway from, from that basic story. In that moment, my aim was in the right direction. But my approach was all off. I knew what my target was. I knew what I was aiming for. And, and, I, and I had the tools to hit the target, but my, my, my technique, my approach, it was off. I had the right intentions. I felt like I, I knew what I was doing, but there were things about my approach that were off. And, and I think with faith, we, we come to this moment of faith, do or die, Jesus, I believe in you. And, and we are addressing and we are going after our miracle, guns loaded. We are, we are ready in prayer just to, to grab hold of what God has for us. But in moments, our approach is off. We're approaching it in the wrong position. 
There are, again, hearts right, but our approach is off. And so we, we got to get our approach when it comes to great faith. We have to get our approach right and realize what faith is really all about. Because I, I think there, there, there's some misconceptions, some things that we miss when it, when it comes to approaching our faith. And so very, very quickly, I want to unpack two, two key thoughts. First thing is this. Faith is not believing for something. Faith is not believing for something. I know I'm not breaking, uh, you're, you're blowing your mind here, but that faith is not believing for something. Here's what I mean by that. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about our heroes of faith. It is, it is a hall of fame of, of amazing saints that, that, have, that had great faith. And it goes on to list their stories. It talks about Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Gideon, Samson, Samuel. It goes on. There, it, it is a who's who list of biblical heroes that had amazing faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Here's what it says, the, the irony about these people that have amazing faith. Here's what it says. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it all from a distance and they welcomed it. So these heroes of faith, amazing faith, they are, their stories are being highlighted in scripture. Their stories inspire us to have great faith. They had this amazing faith, but scripture just says, none of them received what they were promised. They didn't receive their miracle, but yet they had this amazing faith. So, so, so is, is faith all about believing and receiving? Because if faith really is about believing something and then I believe it, therefore it's going to happen, I receive it. If, if that's how we define faith, then none of these biblical heroes had faith because they didn't receive. Scripture tells us they didn't receive what they were promised. So faith isn't about believing and receiving. That's genie faith. That's saying, Jesus, my wish is your command. Jesus, I'm believing for something and here's the something, therefore you should do it. Jesus, I'm believing for something. That something is a pay raise because our finances are tight. So Jesus, I'm believing. Here's the box. I'm believing for a pay raise. Jesus, do that something. I'm believing for it and I want to receive it. Jesus, I'm believing that this, this relationship, whether it be my marriage, my friendship, my broken relationship with, with, my, with my brother, whatever it may be, my sibling, Jesus, I'm believing that you are, going to, you are going to heal it in the next six months, and I'm believing for a breakthrough conversation. Jesus, here's the something I want, I'm believing in. Now, Jesus, go do it. We're saying, Jesus, I'm believing that my plan and my will should be done. We put Jesus in a box because we're believing in something. And again, that's not faith. Now, that, that may be a, a, an illusion of like, well, isn't, shouldn't that be? Like, yeah, yes, that, that could be the target, healing and restoration, maybe even, even uh, uh, illnesses or breakthrough, job, whatever. There, there are a multitude of things that we're believing for. But when we begin to define and tell Jesus how it should be played out, we are missing what faith is all about. Faith is not believing for something. Too many of us, we get disappointed because we're believing having faith for something, and it doesn't work out like, like we believed it should. And, and we get bummed out because we had an expectation that Jesus was going to do what we were believing for. It was my plan and my will and my strategy, my outcome in Jesus. Why didn't it happen? Then we're spinning our wheels and spinning our wheels and spinning our wheels because it's not, it's not happening the way that we anticipated, the way that we thought it, it, it should happen. Here, here's what faith is. Faith is believing in someone. Faith is not believing in something. Faith is believing in someone. Here's what I mean by that. Uh, think about the basic trust fall analogy. We've all been part of trust falls, 
growing up, or maybe some of you have done it like a team building. That's always fun. Team building experience with your coworkers, trust fall. Oh, that's great. So if I pulled up uh, a lucky participant uh, this morning, put them on stage and said, here's the deal. We're going to do a trust fall from the stage. Uh, you can either have myself, Pastor Connor, Pastor Sam, or our executive pastor, Pastor Darren Poli, who is Italian and full of muscles. You can pick any four of us to catch you. Who are you going to pick? I would say, and I, I, would, I would say this is wise, 100% of you are going to pick the person with the biggest muscles. Therefore, Pastor Darren would be your selection. The, the Italian with the muscles is my selection for the trust fall. Because here's the deal. The something would be, I'm going to get caught. I'm believing that, that in that something, that someone's, or that, that something's going to catch me. When you put your faith in someone, the someone is Pastor Darren. He's got the muscles. He has the ability. He, he looks and he appears like he has the ability and the strength to catch me. Therefore, I'm not going uh, not, not, not to define how he's going to do it. Is it palms up, palms down, open arms, on the side. I'm not going to define how he's going to catch me. I simply believe that that someone, Pastor Darren, has the ability and the strength to do it. I trust him. Not dissing Pastor Sam, Pastor Connor, Pastor Chris, but it's obvious Pastor Darren has the ability to do it. So I, I know that's super simple, but, but tr- uh, a trust fall, trusting someone uh, is, is about, is about um, trusting that person and their ability. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tell, tells us how faith works and, and really what it's about. And, and it's a very simple uh, scripture that we, we've, we've read a lot. I'm going to read it for you. It says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is a basic scripture that makes complete sense, Right? It's a little confusing. What is, it, what is this scripture telling us? I mean, if this, is what te- if, if this scripture is telling us what faith is all about, what is it really saying? What's the substance? What's, what's, what's the evidence? Things not seen. I'm confused. Hebrews 11 ver- verse 3 has a key word in it. And this word is substance. This word is used only five times throughout the New Testament. And he, in, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 uses the same word that we find in, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. And it tells us that Jesus is the very nature, which is substance of God. So Jesus becomes, according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, Hebrews becomes the very, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus becomes the very thing that we hope for. We're not hoping in something. We're hoping in someone. And that's it. And that someone is Jesus. We believe that Jesus has the power and the ability to do what only he can do, which is the miraculous. So we put all of our faith, all of our trust in someone, and that someone is Jesus. So faith is not defined by an outcome of a circumstance. It is decided by a belief in Jesus. Faith is not the absence of difficulty. It is the nearness of God through the, diff- the, the difficulty. And as I think about that, that statement and I think about faith in my life, I'm going to have my wife come on up. Um, I'm going to share a story. We're going to share a story uh, about our marriage. And as I think about faith within, within my own life, there's a lot of areas that I've had to have faith in. But there is one significant story that stands out far and above everything else. It is the moment in our, in our uh, 14 years of marriage that we have had to have faith and belief in Jesus 
uh, like never before. And so we, we got married in 2002, and uh, we met at North Central University in, in, in college. And she was 18. I was about 21, 22, uh, three and a half years older than, than, than she was. And we were, we were young when we met. And she was 18, fresh at North Central, fresh at college. And her life, am I, am I doing good so far? So far, Okay, because so I feel like you're really like listening. I am. Awesome. Okay. Fact checking. Fact checking. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> So her, her life kind of became enveloped in, in my life. And so I, I, had, I had a plan for ministry. I had good friends. She kind of got enveloped into all of that, my friends and, and serving at, at churches and such. And so uh, life was good or, or, or so we thought. And, and uh, fast forward to about four years, we planted a church with Pastor Darren Poli, our executive pastor, um, uh, right here in, in Red, Oak, Red Oak Elementary. And we planted a church. And we knew is what God wanted, but we were... We were blind and oblivious to how, how hard church planning really was. And so we got into it and it was hard work, yet we knew it was from the Lord. And so we, we put our hand on the plow. We were focused. Uh, Christmas of that year, hardest year of our marriage, hardest year of ministry. And, and Christmas of that year, Hannah shares um, thoughts and feelings, a bombshell that, that, that tested my faith and our faith like never before. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to get to that, but I want to share a little bit of context. This feels like I messed it up. Okay. Um, So when I did get married, my eyes were wide open with excitement. Chris um, was easy to fall in love with, and I did fall in love young. And I have to remind myself that when my 18-year-old daughter, who's nine right now, but if she ever comes to me and says, Mom, I'm in love, I met the man I'm going to marry, I'm going to have to remind myself that that's how I felt, and that can be a real feeling. Um, because when I think back now how young I was, um, it's, it's crazy, but it, it was true, and God gave me Chris. And so we fell in love. We got married. Um, he worked really hard to be a good husband, and he's an excellent husband. He was an excellent husband, and he still works hard because I'm hard work um, to love me, and I'm very, thank you. Okay. We love you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. But. Stop. 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 But um, I really was hard work because I I was a mess. I was really, um, I'm a work in progress. We all are, but the person you see standing here today is uh, really has been changed and transformed by the power of Christ. Um, even though I was a Christ follower and I was living for the Lord and I believed with all my heart in who God was and the promises he had for me, I was still a mess. <laughs> and he was still wanting to shape things in me and define things in me. And I was an internal processor, so I internalized every thought, every feeling, every emotion. I just kept it all internal and didn't communicate. Um, I stuffed things because I thought in, in order to support my husband and where he he's at and the things he's going through, I need to kind of stuff what I'm going through and my emotions and my feelings, and that was how I felt I supported him best, was by not sharing my mess with him, but letting me figure out my own mess. And so instead of in my mess, and when, when we were church planning and things started getting really hard, and life started getting really messy, instead of keeping me, my eyes fixed on Jesus, I kept my eyes fixed on the mess, and I got lost. I just was completely um, spiritually blinded by the lies that the enemy was speaking to me, and I didn't 
keep my eyes fixed and focused on truth. And so, um, you know, we're talking about the two blind men and blindness mentioned physically in the Bible is something we're talking about today, but there's also that spiritual blindness and that inability to see the truth of God because the lies of the enemy are overwhelming our thoughts. And so that's kind of what happened to me. I was spiritually blind in the season. I had lost sight of the truth. And so on that day in December, um, about 10 years ago, uh, what happened was I just, all that internal processing and stuffing I had done, it erupted. I know there's people sitting in the room who know exactly what I'm talking <sighs> about. Um, so we're sitting on the bed and it just starts overflowing. And I, I share with him, and I'm not even emotional really or worked up when I'm saying this, I just matter-of-factly said, I don't like really anything about my life. I don't like um, living in Minnesota. I, I don't like ministry. I don't like anything. Um, and I- You pretty much said like, I, I think I like you, but I hate <laughs> everything else. I'm like, okay, you like me? I, I can work with that, yeah. I think. Yeah, I, and I did. I, I knew my issue wasn't really with Chris, my husband, my issue was with all my life. And um, so I said, I'm going to go to Utah. I never said divorce, but that was definitely implied. I said, I'm, I'm going to go to Utah where my parents were living at the time. And um, if you want to come, you can. I didn't invite him. I just said, you can come if you want. But that's where I'm going. And obviously, I'm sharing it with humor now, but it was not funny in the moment. It was... Um, definitely a dark spot. And as, even as soon as I began speaking those words out of my mouth, because I'd never shared any of this with Chris, and, and one thing I realize now, I was so spiritually blinded, and in the process, my, I completely blindsided him. So he, he was just an uh, innocent bystander that had to, to deal with this. And, um, blind mice. Blind mice. It's, I mean, it's a great theme, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so I dropped that bomb. I, I began to realize, even as, as the words came out of my mouth, as I started speaking the lies that I had convinced myself of, um, I realized I am, I am in a dark, dark spot. I, I have really gotten myself in a mess here. And um, Chris responded in, in just the right way that I needed. And... Oh, yeah, pretty much in, in that moment, we, we left, and I was super awkward, and we, we didn't know, neither of us knew what, what the outcome was going to be. We're just like, this is, this is serious, and obviously, uh, the implications are that this, this could be done, and, and she, she, needs, she needs to go home and be, be separated. And so, as I prayed about it, and, and biblically, like, my, my first call is to my wife, and, and if I believe that, then I put her above everything else, above of career, above children, my first call is to my wife. And so I simply said, uh, through all the silence, several hours of silence driving home from Wisconsin to Minnesota, said, here's the deal. Like, if, if leaving Minnesota and leaving, leaving the ministry and being, being homeless and poor means, means that, that we will save our marriage, I'll do it. We'll do it tomorrow. And, and, and that, 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 is, that is clear in my mind that that, that is the right option if, that, if that's what we need to do. And so as I shared that, um, that, that I think brought a glimmer of hope that, okay, like there, there's options. We can at least di- dialogue about what needs to change and, and move from there. Yeah, and some of that, as he shared that, that was the truth that I needed to hear because some of the lies that I had begun to believe were 
not only that moving to Minnesota to come to school was a mistake, so then everything after that followed was a mistake, marrying Chris and doing this ministry. And those were the lies I was believing, that a long list of mistakes and regrets, and I wish I would've, and I wish I didn't, and that was the lie that I, that I just kept believing. And so as soon as he spoke that truth, that ministry was not the most important thing, that we were the most important thing, and that what God wanted to do in us together was the most important thing, that softened my heart. That started to open up my eyes to see the truth. That, that truth is what pierced through the darkness so that I could see the truth of God's word. And because Romans 8, 28 tells us God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so maybe there were mistakes in my life. There were messes that I created because of my decisions that, that created this mess that I was now living in, but God worked it together. And not only did he work it together to bring a good thing, because by moving to Minnesota and meeting Chris and marrying Chris, we've produced something which I think is great. We've produced four beautiful children, three girls and a little boy at the end. Um, and even in that, one of the things I mentioned to Chris on that day in December was, I don't, I don't even wanna have your children. I don't think I'm gonna be with you forever. And, and saying that out loud, now I had thought that for years and years, but when, you, when I finally said that out loud, I realized that is a, I am in a horrible spot. That is a horrible thing to say or to think, but that was the reality of where I was. So when we got back, it was um, December we got back, my heart had been softened even in the way Chris responded. I got in counseling, God started doing amazing work in me. I started to get healthy, my eyes started to get open. And when you find health in Christ, when my eyes got fixed on Jesus and he started to do the work in me that he had been trying to do all along, this became even better. This became something great. Um, so fast forward a few months after we got back and I started getting healthy and my eyes were fixed on Jesus. And I, I was not planning on getting pregnant, but I found out in April that I was pregnant. And so at first I cried, not because I was sad about having a child, but really because I realized the lie that I had believed that we, we weren't gonna make it, and so I didn't wanna bring kids into this world. God answered that with a very profound and beautiful truth by giving us a child, not planned, but definitely on purpose. Mm -hmm. And Ava is now nine, and every time I look at her and every time we, I tell this story, I just am so reminded that God wants to answer every lie that the enemy throws our way. He wants our eyes to be fixed so completely and fully on Him that when we look at Him, we experience that saving grace of our Savior. Because when our eyes come off of our Savior, we're prone to that spiritual blindness. We're prone to not see the grace that Jesus is extending through every mess in our lives, but we see the mess. When our eyes are fixed on the mess, that's what we see. But when our eyes are fixed on Jesus, when our eyes are set, fully on the truth, we see the grace that he gives us. And one thing I love about the story of the two blind men is that when they said, yes, Lord, we believe you can do this, and he, they were healed, do you know the first thing they saw was Jesus? And when your eyes are opened 
to the truth of God. You see Jesus. And some of you today are going to see Jesus in a new way for the very first time. You're going to see that your mess may be a list of mistakes and regrets, but when you open your eyes to Jesus, you'll see he's got it. He's got you in your mess, and he's going to work it all together for his good. Amen. Well said. So in that moment for us, the voice of Jesus was, was loud and clear. It was very simply, do you believe? Do, do you believe that I, that I can save this, that, that I can work with this, that, that I, can, I, can, I can make this right? And again, in that moment, we didn't, we didn't have a, a definition of what Jesus should do. We simply said, Jesus, you're all, you're, you are all we got. We, we don't know how this is going to work out, how this is going to play out long term, but Jesus, you are all that we have. So we don't define it. We don't have our eyes on something. We have our eyes on someone, and that someone is Jesus. And we trust you with our life, with everything. We're all in Jesus. And so that, that, is, that is how we address faith to our Savior. We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, we don't try to define how you're going to work out this marriage. We don't try to define how you're going to work out this relationship. We don't try to define how you're going to heal this disease. How are you going to make a way in this career or this, this mess of a business? We don't try to define it. We don't, we're not believing in something, but Jesus, we believe in you. You are the only thing that we believe in. Our faith is in you, and you make a way. So as you close your eyes and bow your heads, I believe that God is speaking to so many of us in this room, and we shared about marriage, and I think it's timely because I believe that there's a lot of people here that are struggling with their marriage, and Jesus wanted to remind you that he's got it. He's the one. You focus on him, and you make Jesus everything. And then he makes a way. For others, there could be areas of, of struggle. Maybe there's internal pain. Maybe there's sickness. Maybe there's some sort of transition you're trying to work through. Maybe you're spinning your wheels on something. And God is reminding you that you need to focus on someone. That someone is Jesus. So Father God, I pray for everybody in this room, Lord God. I pray that faith would rise up. Lord, I pray, may we identify that the faith of a mustard seed is all that it takes to begin to move mountains, to, be, to, to, to begin to, to see you more clearly. So Jesus, I pray that you give us faith to believe for breakthroughs in areas that we need it. Lord, I pray that we will, we will identify the need and surrender it to you, Jesus, that we'll present it to you in a humble way, knowing that Jesus, you are the one that has the answers. You have the solutions and we trust you with everything in Jesus' name. And God, we pray for the eyes to be open this morning for those of us who have been living in darkness or living with a spiritually blind heart. God, would you open our eyes? May we fix our eyes to you, Jesus. We are here and we're ready to hear from you, God. I pray, God, that you would do things in our life, in our own hearts, in our own minds that would awaken us to the truth. God, we pray that the lies that we've been believing and have been living in would be gone and that your truth would pierce through that darkness that we find ourselves in. God, I pray that the mess that we may find ourselves in would be fixed on you, God, that we would bring our burdens to you, that you make our burdens light. You carry them as we bring them to the cross, God. I thank you that your saving grace is in this room, that you wanna be our savior. You wanna rescue us from our mistakes. You wanna rescue us from our regrets. We thank you, Father, that we know that today is not just a day in our, 
our life, but it's a day that's gonna be marked in our faith journey as a day that we stand up to the darkness and say, yes, God, we believe in you that you can take our life and create it into something beautiful by your grace in Jesus' name. Jesus.